0: at least you're not wearing you know big yellow jerseys that have the "End for knowledge on the front end,
1: so.
2: <laughs> i didn't say it you did Welcome to Episode 3 of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, and I'm your host, Tim Brown. With me today are my co-hosts from Tech Hockey Guide, Rob Gilreath. Hey, guys. How's it going? And Dustin Lindstrom. Hey, Tim. Thanks for joining me today, guys. As always, we'll be discussing Michigan Tech Hockey and the WCHA. Our major topics this week are the impact of the big non-conference series weekend for the WCHA, with special guest Matt Wellens from the Duluth News Tribune, review of the series with Alaska and its pairwise implications, Michigan Tech's upcoming series with Alaska Anchorage, and your questions plus our predictions. Let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll come back and start with our chat with Matt Wellens from the Duluth News Tribune.
1: You ready? Showtime.
2: All right, let's get right into our first topic. Um, Big non-conference weekend for the WCHA, and we've got Matt Wellens from the Duluth News Tribune to talk a little bit about his impressions of Minnesota State after their series with Duluth. How's it going, Matt?
0: It's going well, guys. We just uh, dug ourselves out up here in in Duluth. Uh, They don't handle snow here as well as they do in the UP,
1: so...
0: Schools are, are going to be, it's Monday, schools are going to be canceled on Tuesday yet because they still can't dig out the city. It really makes you appreciate uh, the fine uh, men and women who drive the plows throughout the Upper Peninsula and the job they do over there. So um, one of the few, one of the, one of the things I guess I'll say I'll miss about the, about, the, I don't miss all the snow, but I do miss the people who clear it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they do a great job up there, don't they? Um, how much snow did you guys end up getting?
0: Um, Some part, anywhere between my neighborhood is about 16 inches. um, And then uh, um, other parts of town, probably 21, 23 inches. So,
1: um,
0: of course, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't live in Houghton. I was in that other evil city, uh, (laughs) Marquette. So, um, which I know some people don't even consider. It's not even a real Uber city, but um, (laughs) we do get a, we did get a fair amount of snow there. So,
2: yeah. I know if, if, if Rob could talk at this moment, he'd, he'd drop his typical Northern socks.
0: Uh, I'll just say you guys should, you know, limit the math and, and keep the words, uh, small for us, simple minded Northern Michigan grads. I appreciate it.
2: <laughs> All right. Um, so you got the chance to see the number one team in the country this weekend play Minnesota Duluth. Uh, what were your impressions?
0: Uh, they're without a doubt the number one team in the country guys. Um, you know, if anyone had any doubts about that, they they really proved themselves. Uh, Minnesota State did this weekend, and the Bulldogs they were without one of their top scorers in Nick Swainy, a Minnesota Wild draft pick. They're without their to- uh, one of their top defensemen, their their leader on the back end, uh, Nick Wolf. He was uh, knocked out of the game about two minutes, knocked out of the series two minutes in on Friday, and tried to come back twice and left right away both times. So. Ah, uh, the Bulldogs were very much shorthanded, and um, probably Wolf's absence more than anything played a a big part in the weekend than maybe even Swainey's, because uh, Nick Swainey's not a huge scorer. But um, you know, I, I don't know if it would have made a difference or not. I think Nick Wolf, a big physical guy, he probably could make it. Would have helped out a bit, but man, the Mavericks were good. Um, they they were really good. Their top line of Parker, Jimmy, Mark. Uh, Michaelis and, and Charlie Gerrard are, are really strong. They're really good players. But then they just have so much depth throughout, you know. Um, that, that second line with uh, Jake Jeremenko, he was solid in the series. Reggie, lots of pitching in assists. Uh, Josh French, Jared Spooner, they're real strong up the middle. Um, you know, and then defensively, they're, they're just a veteran group back there too, which, which helps out a lot. And then Dryden McKay, um, I hadn't seen him play like that like he did this weekend. Um, I've never seen him play like that. He was he was really phenomenal, and he didn't have to make a ton of huge saves late in the games, but what he'd do when he'd come up, he came up real big early, um, especially on Saturday, to kind of prevent UMD from from jumping ahead or anything like that. So that that's a, that's a dang good hockey team.
2: And their penalty kill, would they have like a nine-minute stretch there, a pretty much straight penalty kill, and they, they killed it all off? On yeah, Saturday against, night? One of the
0: top, uh, against one of the top power plays in the country, and one of the reasons UMD's power plays is usually so strong is, is Scott Perinovich, the second-round draft pick of the St. Louis Blues, who had he not been battling a back injury last year and had the Blues not gone on that unexpected Stanley Cup uh, playoff run, he, he's probably not here. He's in the NHL right now, uh, but the Blues found some depth late, and, and Scott was battling a back injury and, and didn't want to go into the NHL um, possibly not a hundred percent. So he decided to come back another year. Uh, he's, he's just a phenomenal puck mover. He's really one of those modern day, smaller defensemen. He's not, you know, if Nick Wolf is your typical prototypical NHL defenseman, and um, he's an undrafted free agent. who's going to have his, you know, pick a team. So at the end of this year, when his eligibility runs up, uh, if Nick Wolf, is your, you know, big, strong, physical um, defenseman. Scott Perinovich is kind of that new, almost like a fourth forward on on the ice. He's just so fast. He moves the puck up, gets your, you know, gets your offense set up, great on zone entries. Um, he can outskate anyone out there. Uh, you know, he really makes that power play tick. And, and Minnesota State, they didn't necessarily, in the past, I'd see them key on Perinovich um, a lot focus a lot on how can we stop him and slow him down. And they've actually done a good job of that. I remember Scotty's freshman year, Minnesota State was probably the only team that slowed Perinovich down. Instead, what they were able to do on that power play was they let Perinovich have the puck. They let him work it around the perimeter and stuff and maybe try and step in. But Scott just had no Perinovich had nowhere to, to send that puck to. The Mavericks did such a phenomenal job, even shorthanded of limiting time and space they're really strong on their sticks which comes up big in the penalty kill um they're just you know we look at the goals they put up outscoring umd seven to two but defensively is really where they were the strongest i thought
2: yeah it's been pretty impressive what they've been able to do this year and they've done it against you know north dakota and minnesota duluth now and and it's it's hard not to call them number one um yeah, I don't know. McKay has been just phenomenal all year from what I've seen. I know he was probably the biggest reason Tech got no points up in Houghton. Um, yeah, it's it's just been crazy how good they are.
0: Uh, Bowling Green, um, uh, the team that, you know, the little I've watched them, they've come up on NCHC TV a couple times, like playing Western and such, and, and I, I can never figure out that team, whether they're one of the best in the country or they're just – mediocre but you know you see them put up what they're the only team uh minus north dakota that's gotten more than a uh one or more goals yeah uh, mckay's been just so good and that's that that's huge for any team if, if your goaltender uh can play like that now umd's not a you know they never i think everyone's knows this through their national championship runs they haven't been winning national championships because they're lighting the lamp and running the score up on teams, they they win games, you know, one nothing, two to one, stuff like that. The national championship win three nothing over over UMass was, you know, that's a that's a blowout in the in the Bulldogs world. So, um, you know, if you can have, a, and I think that's just how you win championships nowadays. The, the team to win one before UMD was Denver, and, and they were the same way. They win games real tight. Uh, Scott Sandlin, the Bulldogs coach, you know, he's watched a lot of teams, he's also a lot of hockey this year, not just because he's scouting his opponents, but he's the head coach of the uh, U.S. junior national team. So, you know, he had said a couple weeks ago that Penn State and Denver were the best teams he had seen in the country. Um, I'm going to ask him this week where where Minnesota State um, sits compared to those two because, you know, UMD did a a terrific job really limiting and controlling Denver and, and beating them to start NCHC play. So if he thought Denver was the best team, man, Uh, Minnesota State's far and above. I mean, there's, there's, I had no hesitation voting them number one this week, and it's going to take a lot for me to knock them off of the number one spot for a while here. You know, I know North Dakota's done real well, but um, with the Mavs having that uh, win and tie over North Dakota, I I think that win says a that that win and tie by the Mavs says says a lot because North Dakota's really manhandled. some teams this year. The Mavericks might have been their only r- real big challenge so far, but
2: yeah, I don't think the Gophers were much of a challenge. That was kind of fun no, to watch the Gophers in, are not, in Minnesota. Uh,
0: having seen them twice, that's that's not a team to fear this year.
1: <laughs> no,
3: they've got a, a lot of young talent, but maybe see where they're at in a couple of years. It's not a lot there right uh, now.
0: But they're, they're really young right now. That that's that's all. That they're they're you know, I I minus maybe a Scott, you know. When I look at the Bulldogs, there's not a ton of speed demons on that team. You know, maybe a Noah Cates, Cole Kepke, Scott Perinovich, uh, Kobe Roth has got some wheels at times, but um, the Gophers look slow against the Bulldogs. And I'm not used to saying, you know, the Gophers look slow. That's usually one of the things they're not. They're usually a fast team. I mean, Wisconsin's just as young, but man, they're a high flying, fast team. They just play like rookies a lot right now um, and and make rookie mistakes. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Gophers. Um, not, not, not as talented. Whereas the Mavericks, again, they're not the fastest. They're not the fastest team. It's just you, you. That looks like a veteran team built for the playoff. Got playoffs, guys. I mean, when St. Cloud would dominate UMD, you'd be like, all right, is this is this high-powered offense that's you know uh, this fast, speedy style play? Is this built for the postseason? And we saw St. Cloud. It, it wasn't. They got beat uh you know by strong defensive efforts uh, in the first round the last two years i don't think that's going to happen to minnesota state this year uh i'm starting to think that loss to providence last year really was just a tremendous stroke of of bad luck being stuck in a a horrible regional Um, this is a veteran team this is a smart team uh you know i i can't emphasize that Um, you know when teams that are good on their sticks not, that's not a physical attribute. That that's smarts. They know how to time things. Uh, they're really really strong on, on their sticks and they can disrupt things with it. Um, they're there's as good as it gets I think right now in, in the country. And if even if they do take a dip here, they hit that second half slump. You know, in January sometimes we see that with, with the top teams. Uh, if you've started to run away with your conference or that number one spot in the country, you into a lull, I have all the confidence in the world that the Mavericks can uh, make a run um, in, in the postseason.
3: Yeah, and that's something that they haven't been able to do yet, um, despite having some very good teams over the last several years, and even going back towards the uh, very early days of after the, the conference shakeup, and I, I think they're really due to make that mark in the tournament, and it's good to hear that it it does sound like they have a team that is built to do that.
0: Yeah, I might be eating these words, you know, come, come <laughs> March. Uh, you know, the, the fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, three, four, five times, shame <laughs> on
2: me. Um, yeah,
0: that is, you bring up a great point. They, they haven't done it in the NCAA tournament yet. Well, I think um,
2: one thing they have going for them this year is – you know, you've got Tech, you've got Bowling Green, you've got Bemidji, you've got Alaska. So it's not like it's going to be a cakewalk to get through the WCHA tournament. That they they they'll have good competition. I I think this conference is six deep for teams that could make the tournament and actually do something, and and maybe a little deeper than that because I really just think it's Alaska Ferris and or Anch- Anchorage Ferris and Huntsville that that just aren't on the same level. Yeah, um, I, I, and I, I agree. Yeah, so I, I feel like they're they're going to have the biggest thing for them, which I don't know how much it matters this year when, what, the nearest regional to them is Colorado? Otherwise, they're going east, so, you yeah, know, it doesn't really matter where they get, and, but I guess if they at Colorado. least go to Colorado, they're not faced with a Providence-in-Providence Providence type situation or whatever well
0: they'll probably they'll probably get denver and you know denver <laughs> we're seeing you know denver i ri- originally i would have told you no man Cato's not going to out to colorado because uh denver will be the number one seat out there umd will be the number one seed in, in allentown and etc etc but though you know we've seen denver and umd slip now well um, but who who's hosting, De- work, who's hosting in who's hosting colorado some, yeah both have some work to do is it denver, denver will be the host in loveland colorado yeah. so uh that could be uh interesting there if maybe that's the trap. Yeah, cuz if Denver's a
2: one seed they're going to host so it doesn't right. matter they go east. But but between Worcester and Albany you don't really have a no,
0: a, a no. team
2: in the hometown type situation like Providence.
0: Right, you know, Worcester they're going to put Boston College or Boston University out there and BC has always done really well in Worcester. Yep. Uh that's kind of like their home regional. Uh Denver I would still think would be the team that could pose, you know, Denver now. The challenge is they're not going to be a one seed, probably, but it, unless things turn around for them. Uh, if you know, if Denver's a, a two or a three or God forbid a four, um, that could that could be uh that could be problems for for someone uh, in the country if they have to play Denver in Loveland uh, in that first round. Um, you know, like Providence a four seed, Denver a four seed, so. Yeah, with the NCAA tournament, there's always uh, traps out there. I and mean, we saw UMD almost, you know, fall through one last year against Bowling Green when, when Chris Bergeron and that team put forth one one heck of an effort, uh, gave the Bulldogs the biggest challenge to, of the tournament. Um, you know, probably the second biggest challenge I'd say, outside of the you know Mankato taking UMD to to overtime in the West Regional semifinals two years ago. Um, you know Bowling Green was strong, man. They they were, man. They might have been closer to beating UMD than even Minnesota State was. Uh, Bowling Green really had the the blueprint for slowing down UMD there. Um, you know that was an impressive showing by the WCHA. I thought that was, you know, after that I know a lot of people up oh, there goes the WCHA losing another NCAA tournament game, but I looked at that and said, that's that's a legit team right there. That's that's an, a legit entry from this league. They very well could have knocked off the defending champs. Whereas Mm -hmm. the next three teams from out east that I saw play UMD, you know, once the puck dropped, there was never a doubt of who was winning that game. So, um, it's been interesting to watch the WCHA this year. Um, You know, I always have a soft spot for that league, uh, with obviously my alma mater Northern Michigan being in there, but but also following these all these schools through realignment, um, especially the CCHA schools and and such, and then covering that league in its, in its first year when a lot of people thought it would be, you know, a one bid, you know, thought it was gonna be worse than Atlantic hockey, and it proved it wasn't. So this year, it's interesting. I look at Minnesota State as strong, Bowling Green, I think can do some damage. Um, Alaska's really surprised me, and uh, Northern has, has been a bit of a disappointment. I know they lost some uh, some guys, but uh, at the same time, they, they seem real up and down as well as evidenced by this last weekend. of um you know losing to Huntsville
2: yeah it can be tough for teams to uh to to stay up for some of those lower teams and not have a hiccup i mean Tech's had issues with Ala- or anchorage and huntsville the last couple of years just struggling to get that sweep and i know it's not easy sometimes and and i do think sometimes you know the the perception is that they should lose every game and that it's that's not fair to to those those teams or those fans that because it's not they're not as bad as as everybody thinks they are it's just you know you get what six to ten chances to play other conferences and and usually they're early so you got if you have any kind of issues early on that you you dig a hole and and it and it looks bad for our league and and then when we lose to them we look even worse when in reality they're and sometimes too it's just a matter of you know their goalie has a good night and stops 40 some shots and and weren't in you know it's it's difficult though to go in there and and get a sweep all the time for all the teams
0: yeah it's i think it's difficult for anyone to go up to alaska and get a get us you know huntsville's an easy trip from from what i understand everyone's told me i know it was a big deal when i first joined the league of oh going all the way down to huntsville but <laughs> now everyone compared to the alaska trips it's a, it's an easy trip in indeed it's it's such a big change the the time difference the the long travel the jet lag all of that is real and, and that's something um you know north dakota and wisconsin and minnesota all of them will tell you going back you know the ccha schools michigan michigan state all of them will go will tell you the that alaska trip those alaska trips are, are tough you're you're hoping to survive friday and then saturday where you know if you can get a tie or not get your Run out of the building on Friday, then Saturday you go for that win. If you can get a split in the in the state of Alaska, you're good. Um, that's why I, I think it's really beneficial for teams that do the the back to back weeks when they play Anchorage and and Fairbanks because then you're looking at a possibility of actually maybe picking up three out of four wins. So, um, yeah. but but yeah, you know, you guys mentioned the, the non conference. Mike Hastings and I kind of talked a little bit about that last week um, in the WCHA. You because they play so few non-conference games, they don't get a lot of cracks at, at at picking up those key non-conference wins. So in a way that this was kind of a bigger win weekend for Minnesota state because they needed to, you know, these are two huge wins for for them and for the league. Um, The NCHC, they play a lot of non-conference games. There's a lot of chances for, for UMD to, to make up those losses. Um, so, yeah, it's a big whereas, difference to
2: go seven and one versus five and one. It's it's huge. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, even just to go, you know, seven and five versus five and four or something like that. Yeah. Just the ability to have those chances to make up. You know, you can get swept in the NCHC, which UMD's now gotten swept twice in non-conference play. Um, the Minnesota State one probably won't hurt them. Uh, the Wisconsin one, only time will tell how devastating that was um <laughs> yeah it just depends on what you know Wisconsin, how wisconsin's gonna fare here um you, know, you can make up those losses in the nchc that's what's helped those teams make the tournament the way they've done is is the amount of non-conference games they're playing so um i would think whenever this new league that you guys are all trying to start or whatever's going on there um the, the silent treatment we're all getting on that um <laughs> i i would i would you know expect that. There'll be more non-conference opportunities um, for everyone in
2: that in that league. So, have you looked into that and tried to get any kind of comment on
0: that? Uh, someone at Northern once told me that the reason they don't call me back is because they know they'll spill the beans to me. So, <laughs> um, so Northern wisely has given me the silent treatment. I've actually heard back from more people at your little school, there, gentlemen, than that I did my alma mater. Uh, but but nothing, you know. That was over the summer. Once uh, the bulldog season started, them all in that. Just the rumors. It sounds like it's all silence. I don't know if anyone. They may not be telling us anything because they don't know anything. That might very well be what's going on.
2: Well, I think it's so up in the air, you know, contingent on like. What happens with St. Thomas? What, what, uh, and, and I don't know what you have you heard any rumblings about Miami and Western and more geographical reshuffling?
0: Miami and Western are not leaving the NCHC. Forget okay. about it. There's two, it's financially, it would, competitively, it would make sense. Yes. Financially, it would be devastating because, um, A, the, the exit fee for the NCHC is high, really, really high. Um, I forget, I believe the number might be, it might be about a million bucks, something around there. It's a <laughs> lot of money um, to leave the NCHC. It costs a lot. Um, secondly, the NCHC also pays out. Um, the conference tournament, is, uh, they've, they spent the first few years building up the league reserves. Uh, now, just they're not paying out Final Five money, it's not that, but they are getting money back from NCHC TV. The teams are getting money back now from the uh, frozen face-offs. So um, I, I I know people keep bringing it up, but Miami and Western aren't going anywhere. The more likely scenario is that Miami and Western convince the league to bring another Eastern team in. Bowling Green would probably be the obvious uh, choice out there in getting all the Mac schools together. Um, yeah. I would think that that is way more likely to happen right now at this point. Um, than than them leaving the league. They're more likely to get another team from their area in than them leave.
2: So you don't think there's any possibility of some kind of uh, backroom deals let them out without the million dollars because Mankato and Bemidji are coming in or something?
0: Well, I mean, Miami struggled so uh, competitively that might be the only, the only one um, that I could maybe see the league saying okay, you can take them, but I mean, Western's been on the verge of making the NCAA tournament the last few years. They're in a run right now that they're in a good spot to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, why would you leave a league? Um, Western's competitive in the NCHC, so why would you leave that league? Um, I, I don't know why the the Broncos would do it. Um, and they're competitive with probably the worst facility in the league, too, which is amazing. Um, that's a credit to Andy Murray and Dave Shayak, what they've been doing there for for a few
2: years now oh sure drop the former northern guy
0: there's the shick drop um (laughs) long live the the dave Shayak mullet of 1991 (laughs) um i I, it's 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 not happening guys no that's that's fine i don't think there's going to be a backroom deal i don't think anyone in the nchc is interested in bemidji no offense there um from what i've heard that's just not they're not interested in bemidji they're they're the league is very happy the way it is right now won four straight national championships yeah um it's it's but you know the two teams that are struggling are are omaha and miami right now so um but miami just hired chris bergeron i think they're going to let that play out a bit um and and go from there um the most likely scenario guys honestly is that um you know i think bowling green and minnesota state would be the two teams that the, the league would add i don't I think that is if if the NCHC is going to expand, if they decide they're going to expand, which so far they have shown no um, inkling to want to expand, because things are going so well right now, they're making money, they're winning national championships, they kind of why change things?
2: Well, um, and it, and and then you're splitting the check ten ways. It doesn't really add much that's, money. You're right. That's that's another big factor
0: there, and, unless you know, you're bringing in a school that's really going to boost attendance at the frozen face-off, which Minnesota State would probably help. That's a nearby Minnesota school. Or if they're going to really give a bump to to the TV, to NCHC TV, um, you know, the the league's not making really any money off that CBS SportsNet deal. That kind of keeps shrinking year in and year out. Um, It's all about the streaming. Um, unless the team's going to bring a huge you know, group of subscribers in, um, you're right. Why would, you, why would you split that check even more? So St. Thomas would be – I'm curious if St. Thomas could uh, get the – fund, could up the funding of their program, get a new facility. That would be another very, very, very intriguing option for, for the NCHC. But right now, I don't know if St. Thomas can, can pull that off. Um, also their, their women's program needs a home and the WCHA would be a, a very, very good fit there. So, and I know talks have taken talks have started there of the women's program going to the WCHA. So the WCHA has started talks with, with St. Thomas, at least on the women's side, I don't know what's going on on the men's side.
3: Yeah. And I think that's, uh, I think that plays into what the, teams in the WCHA that are have announced that they are intending to leave it, it I, I think St. Thomas is a big player in that and I, I really don't think that they're going to have an issue finding funding because there's a lot of rich alumni that came from St. Thomas they've got a good base of people that they can go and fundraise from um
2: who wouldn't want their name on the D1 hockey ring
3: right and I I I think I think that is going to happen it might be a few years but at some point, St. Thomas is going to be playing D1 hockey. I think it's a matter of when, not if.
0: Yeah, it's probably a matter of where not 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 if the real estate trying kind to of, you know do they want to try and find some place you know near campus? I don't know where they do that um, in, in Minneapolis find space there. they might have to build a facility. Uh, somewhere else in the Twin Cities to pull that off. So
2: A new rink at the fairgrounds. State fairgrounds. <laughs> That's where they used to play, right?
3: Yeah, except they can't tear down that old building. Yeah, I suppose. But there's plenty of room there They can find that somewhere. That
0: might be a little too close to comfort for the Gophers. <laughs> they got up that program. As we go back to the Gophers, they got enough problems right now. Uh, the last thing they need is another d1 hockey program to move into the twin cities well i think that's Uh, the
2: opportunity for saint thomas cheaper price point get fans and poach them from the gophers because the gophers aren't exactly fun to watch and the price point's terrible so go for it who knows
0: i think saint thomas i I think their best bet because even if they got all the money in the facilities you still got to be competitive um, if I'm St. Thomas, I don't want to jump. If I'm jumping to D1, I don't want to jump into the NCHC right away.
2: Um, oh, I wouldn't either. They're,
0: they're gonna They're gonna have to They're gonna have to rethink their recruiting. Um, there's a lot, a lot of good hockey talent here in the state of Minnesota, but um, there's still only so much to go around, and, and six D1 schools in the state. Um, I mean, Mankato doesn't sustain themselves with Minnesota kids. They they got a they got a few for depth here, but their top players are all coming from outside of the state. All two of their best players are not even from the country, so they're going to Germany for players right now. Um, you know, Bemidji we've seen the same thing. Uh, really, only UMD, Minnesota, and St. Cloud uh, they're getting the top Minnesota kids. So, you know, for St. Thomas, I think whether it's the WCHA or the um tbd league whatever you guys have anyone come up with a good name for that yet no we got The ccha, <laughs> the
1: C-C-H-A. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah um i was told that's not happening either um i was pretty disappointed about that i was all, all looking forward to to that league maybe coming back i just can't um, imagine them throwing away both them. those
1: names
2: and starting over you know it
0: um you know, I think I've had this conversation with with some people. Maybe the biggest mistake that um, the new WCHA made was keeping that WCHA name, because it it's just it kept everyone from starting fresh. They tried to keep doing things the way they were, and you just get compared to the the old league. Um, one of the things I think the NCHC has benefited from was. Those eight schools all had a completely fresh start. They had no history holding them back. They had no traditions. They well, could I think some own. of
2: that is is the fact that you don't like the old guard in the office was still there. I mean, the head of the right. referees is still the same guy. Like how much? Like you got a new commissioner, and that's fine. But I think there's too many guys there that that are still there. I that were now there. It's, I think eight now years it's ago. its
0: own. It's 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 new. It's its own league. Yeah, but that first year, it, what really kind of held it back at first was I could tell how much they were still hanging on to the to the old ways, and not recognizing that this was a new league. I think maybe letting the WCHA name and everything die and starting from scratch would have been a would have been a smart move. Then then you wouldn't be getting compared to the to the old WCHA and. And such um, that's true so I I would not bring back I'd let RIP CCHA, I love you but maybe um, <laughs> just let it rest I think it is in their best interest to come up with a new name and and, and start fresh that that would be a smart move for for these uh, seven schools and, and whoever else they're they're getting um, whether it's gonna be eight or ten
2: well thanks for joining us Matt um, anything else you wanted to touch on I think we pretty much covered it all. Well, I'd, I'd throw in a tech insult, but
0: you guys swept Northern earlier in the year, so I'll just <laughs> keep my mouth shut up on, on, on that front. Um, your jerseys are are much better looking than Northern's. How about that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the new logo?
0: The Husky logo? Yeah. Well, that's awful. That's okay. Lo- why? That's awful. That's the dog needs a mouth, guys. Come on. Come I agree. On. I
3: agree one hundred percent. But
0: at least you're not wearing. At least you're not wearing, you know, big yellow jerseys that have the end for knowledge, I'm front. So
2: <laughs> I didn't say it, you did. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's a fine shoulder patch, and I think it's fine for other sports, but it's not a feature image like they probably wish it was. Just give the dog a mouth.
0: That's all you guys <laughs> need to do. Give that's, that's how you solve all of tech athletic problems right there.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Email Calvin Larson
2: and let him know. Oh, I, I talk to him regularly. I'm sure I can uh, drop that one, too. I'll get yelled at when he listens to this podcast. And just ripping you guys' logo. <laughs> Nobody on, at help. Tech listens to this podcast. <laughs> Come on. I'll make sure Calvin listens to this episode. I'm going to tell him I made fun of him on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure not to cut that out. Maybe I'll even put it right at the beginning. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it.
0: Solid job. You guys are doing some fun work out there. Keep her up. Thanks. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Bye, guys
2: all right let's discuss the pairwise implications of the alaska series so on twitter after the win on saturday um i don't remember if it was mine or tech hockey guide i made the point that the saturday win up in fairbanks was huge for tech on a pairwise uh side of things and for those of you who don't know Exactly how that all works. There's basically three way, three things that go into determining whether or not you win a pairwise comparison. One is your RPI, which is calculated based on who you play and who your opponents have played all year. The other is common opponents between you and the team you're being compared with. Each of those get one point in the calculator, and then the last one is head-to-head. And so each win that you get against another team uh, gets you a point so the series ended 3-1 for alaska and so at this point i believe alaska has the comparison because they have a higher rpi anyway so they're winning whatever that they're winning that right now but if we get to the point where we're a better team according to rpi and we have a better common opponent record the pairwise would be tied 3-3 and the tiebreaker for all comparisons is RPI. So Tech would win that comparison if they had the higher RPI, even though Alaska's beat them three out of four times. And that's why that's such a huge win to not go 0-4 or 3-0-1, um, because 3 to nothing is still three points. You can't overcome that. With the other two categories, but yeah, it was a huge, huge win on Saturday for the team, and for the implications for Pairwise. And I mean,
4: we're we're sitting at eleventh right now in the Pairwise. That's we are. That's not a sad place to be.
2: A lot of that's because we've played, uh, you know, North Dakota, uh, Minnesota State, Bowling Green. We we've had a good schedule. It, it's gonna drop over time simply because. We don't play those teams as much. Well, not necessarily. Well, I mean, it, if we keep winning, it'll keep to, going. But but the
3: you're but, sitting in a, it's it's a good space place to be, and what it means is when you're playing Huntsville and Anchorage and teams that are in the lower part of the lower lower half of the standings, you, you cannot afford to lose to them.
2: No, we need to get Ws against those bottom three teams because they're going to hurt a ton if we lose. It doesn't hurt you to lose to Mankato. It doesn't hurt you to lose to North Dakota. As long as you don't play them, like, five times and do it. But, yeah. Right. Because then your win percentage is just dropping too much. But, yeah, your, your your opponents and opponents' opponents are only helped by playing those teams, even if you lose.
3: Right. Opponents' opponents is such a huge component to the, to the RPI that playing those teams like North Dakota that, year in and year out, play a really tough schedule. Y- your opponents' opponents are very... Uh, strong when Mm -hmm. when you play teams like that
2: well and it's helped us a ton too that we've played robert morris swept them and they've been good besides playing us i mean that's probably the biggest reason we took a dip two weeks ago was the fact that they finally had a lapse and a couple other teams that we've played or just the way things have fallen there were lapses too but you know the biggest reason we're up there at 11 is because we played alaska who's up there too. I don't know exactly where they are, but you've got. Uh, I think
4: they're twenty third right now. Twenty fifth. Yeah, they're twenty. I've, I've got that right in front of me actually. Twenty fifth. <laughs>
2: Bemidji's twenty six. Bowling Green is six. Minnesota State is two. North Dakota's three. We play Clarkson, well, who's twelve. Our
4: next, yeah, our next, our next two out of conference series are also against teams that are up there too. I mean, this this year's schedule has decent implications if we can do well in out of conference. We're we'll be right there for a. Uh, an actual at-large bid this year instead of having to win to get in.
2: Yeah, and the WCHA overall has been pretty good this year, non-conference. Let me.
4: Yeah, for sure. Had
2: that. I think they're at like forty-some percent.
4: And it's not. It's not just. It's winning against the the bigger teams that are being played too. You know, like Mankato and Bemidji last week. are huge for the pairwise for the entire league.
2: Yeah, but Bowling Green and Minnesota State did ah, a great Bowling job. Yeah, that's what I yeah. meant. Yeah, wrong one. Yeah, that that was a huge thing for them to get the sweep on both those um yeah so the the league is 20 27 and 6 so far this year according to beaver hockey fan on on the wcha thread on the uscho boards he's been keeping track of that if he does a good job of keeping track he's of been that. doing that
4: for a few years and that's one of the one of the things i still go back and look at on those boards that's that's useful at this point it, that's a fantastic update he puts in there
3: you, you said 20 27 and 6 yep so if you remove the records for Huntsville and Anchorage, they're 20, 20 and 5. Yep. So it's a 500, 500 conference without those two teams at the that are right at the bottom.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And those two teams have North Dakota and Arizona State left. Ouch. So probably not going to help us with those two either. But, yeah, it's been good. I mean, they're basically... 500 or above you know within a game or two of 500 against everybody but the NCHC which I think has always been the WCHA's problem I th- I honestly think the biggest reason the WCHA is where it is and the NCHC is where it is is because we play each other 30 times or 20 we're playing 28 to 29 games against them this year and you don't get enough variety I mean, we're playing the Big Ten 11 or 12, the ECAC five times, Hockey East eight times, Arizona State six, and Atlantic Hockey three. So there's there's not a whole lot left there um, to get decent comparisons against those other leagues. It's why it's so important for Tech to go out and beat Clarkson because it's huge for the whole league, not just them. Uh, yeah, so let's move on. So the upcoming series, Tech gets to host Alaska Anchorage.
4: I'm just glad that I get to watch an Anchorage game that doesn't involve a net.
2: That doesn't involve the nets. Yeah, it. it I tried to watch that for a little bit when Tech uh, Fairbanks was well, delayed that one night. Yeah, I, mean, I couldn't you even
4: mean watch when you started. You started the stream up, and uh, there was already a goal on the board.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was not fun. Um so yeah, I I don't really have a whole lot to say about this weekend. Tech needs to find a way to not lose this weekend. That's pretty much yeah, all it is. Like
3: like we it's were just talking bulkhead. about. It, it, these are the series that if you want to be a team that is getting at large bids, you cannot lose a game to Anchorage. Right? And it's nothing against Anchorage, but they're it, it's all the, they, they haven't won, right? They're, they're
2: down. They they're just not good enough.
3: They it, it, Team, teams that have poor records like that are ones that kill your pairwise if you lose to them. And uh, if, the, if this team has aspirations to be in at large, uh, get an at-large bid, then they, they need to sweep.
4: Yeah, they just need to win. It's plain and simple. All right, we're
2: back for our last segment on Twitter questions and our predictions. The first question is going to come from our patron saint, Doc McResin who asked, since you guys have traveled a bit, which places do you think are good places to visit? You know, polite fans, nicer arenas, etc. I think we're going to save that for another day when we are short on ideas, but for now I think I will just say that when we have a road series, we will try and talk about our favorite places for each of those, since we've pretty much been to every rink. I think the only three we haven't covered are ferris bowling green and huntsville so i think that's where all we're going to say about that for time so next we've got aaron Jolie. he asked what caused gavin gould to transfer and i'll i'll take that one and and i'll walk carefully here but um I think it's pretty obvious to anybody that paid attention to the team last year that Gavin Gould does not play Joe Sean's style of hockey. Um, If you go back and watch videos from last year, you'll see Gavin Gould not playing much defense, cheating for breakaways a lot, kind of standing at the top of the defensive zone or even in the neutral zone somewhere, hoping to get a puck to just get a breakaway. And that's not the kind of guy Joe wants. And, you know, after two years under Joe, you know, without the success of the first year, I just don't think that relationship
4: worked anymore. Joe expects his guys to skate the whole time they're on the ice. If you're out there coasting around and waiting for something to happen rather than coming back and making it happen yourself, I don't think he has a lot of tolerance for that. And I think that sums that up pretty well
2: no i think you're right i think um it's just a matter of two different styles gavin gould fit what mel pearson wanted to do far better than what joe wanted to do and after two years of that they they parted ways another twitter question tim Catula, sorry if i got that wrong i know you well but i don't actually know how to say your name asked for our thoughts on how Reitmeier and Smith might find their scoring touch again as we progress into December.
4: Rob, <laughs> I, I think Smith had some had some moments this weekend where he looked like he might uh, might finally break break into that side of things. But uh, did I don't think he got did he have any points this weekend?
2: I don't know. I'd have to look Who, it up. Smith, Smith, he did. He had a goal. He? he had
4: a goal. Yeah. A goal. Um, yeah so. So maybe he has uh, gotten in the right direction there. For those guys, it's just a matter of getting some confidence going. I think you know, we've struggled to score.
2: I think it all starts with playing a team like Anchorage. You know, <laughs> <laughs> at home yeah. too, you, you can get on the board. I think both those guys, um, they both playing center, so that's another thing that can come. Is you know, the more they win faceoffs, the more attacking zone opportunities they're going to have. Both those guys just need to get something going. Uh, that, that's basically what i got on that one you guys good all right patrick coro asked two questions using our email address uh chasing mac at tech dot com what would you change in the way the current wcha promotes itself going forward whether it's the wcha in its new form or the new conference or does it do enough i think first off The WCHA probably should have gone the route that the NCHC did with the TV or with the streaming deal and kept their own system and probably done it however the NCHC did and had the day pass, the month pass, the team-specific passes instead of this one-size-fits-all deal.
4: That right there is the biggest one, the non-team-specific. And then the
2: other big thing is the NCHC does... At least one free game a weekend. It might even be a free game a night, because I got to watch Minnesota State play Duluth on Saturday night for free. And I think that's huge giving, you know, more casual fans an opportunity to check out a game. I doubt it would be a non conference game all that often, but I think it's great to do that and give that opportunity. Beyond that, I think I think they're doing okay. I think it's kinda cool. I don't know how much traction they get with it but I think it's kind of cool that they do the whole WCHA after dark with the uh,
4: I love that. I love that with the Alaska, Alaska games. games. Yeah. You've got you've got an advantage there that we're the only ones left playing live it up. Yeah. And the, that the Twitter account is full of the memes and it just it works well. I think it's a yeah. really good way of doing things.
3: But you can't you can't you can't be promoting watching Alaska Anchorage and then no. put out the product that they do. At, no, at and that the arena. big but the,
2: yeah, you're right. The biggest problem with the WCHA after dark is neither of their production quality is that good. I mean, yeah, this the, weekend the, was uh, this weekend was frustrating. The Fairbanks video on Friday didn't start right away, I think, or Saturday, one of the two nights. Um, like the game had started and you know not like I'm listening to Dirk waiting for the video stream to start and nothing's happening so it's obviously not a power issue cuz Dirk's recording and then um saturday night i don't know how it seems like every time i look on one of those games like there's no graphics like the Alaska, Anchorage or fairbanks didn't do penalties there was no nothing on the scoreboard that said anything or on the the ticker on the screen there was nothing that told me anybody was on the power play or penalty kill i had to if i wasn't paying attention or came back from going to the bathroom i had to count guys on the ice and that's not always a good way to do it cuz sometimes there's somebody that's just off screen depending on how good the cameraman is so that the biggest thing to me is the tv package and the production quality at the at the schools involved cuz yeah. i don't think it's fair or it's nowhere close to even across the league, and fans are paying a lot of money to watch this league because they can't do the team-specific for a discount. It's 150 bucks a year, I think. I didn't pay yep. that. You Some, haven't paid somewhere. that. Is that what it is, Rob, about 150 It's
4: It's somewhere. It was enough that I know for a fact my brother, it auto-renewed on him, and he... Uh... He specifically thought it was a, uh, <laughs> a wrong charge on his credit card, yeah. called his credit card company, got a new card before he realized it was his renewal hitting.
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the, that's the number one reason why I haven't paid for it is because the production quality is so bad at, at multiple locations around the league. They need yeah. to have minimum standards, and the league needs to do something to enforce it.
2: it, yeah. it and I wouldn't be surprised if that's one of the bigger pushers of this change is that the way Alaska and Anchorage produce their product reflects badly on the rest of the league. So why would you want to associate with them? I, I, I think Huntsville's gotten way better now with Penalty Box. Yep. Um, whatever that, I can't think of their name now, but the, the Penalty Box guys out of Nashville, when they get involved, I think they're a lot better.
4: They still have had the issue though of a lack of on-screen graphics. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, they're Huntsville, right? They're down there with the red St- or is it Redstone Arsenal, whatever the NASA style thing. But that doesn't mean we need like 1970s era countdown text to show us the score, like yeah. a few of their uh, seasons were. From a production standpoint, it, I don't think it's that hard to follow a couple of simple rules, just from a camera selection standpoint.
2: Yeah, and the and the panning and the zooming and like. You guys all act like you're you're a bunch of amateurs that are just recording um, with a handheld, it feels like, sometimes, and it's not good enough.
4: The number one rule for me for a hockey broadcast to be successful is show the actual entirety of the ice with the top high camera, center camera, during play so we can see the whole play. Nobody needs highlight zoomed in stuff when the actual play is happening. That's for your replays and afterwards. True. Stay high, let us see the actual game. We're fans that are paying a bunch of money to watch this.
2: If all 10 skaters are in in one zone, I should be able to see all 10 of them.
4: Right, and for the longest time in the I don't know if it was the first or second Alaska game this weekend, They were going from any time Alaska had the puck, it went to the high camera so you could see everything. And then as soon as we would get the puck, it would zoom in to like highlight level, and you couldn't see anything else. And the stutteriness of it, at least back home when I was watching at my folks' house, the stutteriness of it at that point with that high zoom, it was actually like nauseatingly bad, like sick to stomach getting a headache with how poor the quality was.
2: There are too many schools in this conference that are doing that on a shoestring budget with people who don't have enough pride in what they're doing to do it right. Because for the after tech squad on Saturday or Friday night, what was it?
4: Replays were missing constantly.
2: Well, replays too, but like, or no, it was Saturday night, wasn't it? Where there was like ten solid minutes where Tech scored, and the scoreboard said one nothing, Alaska wrong. or Anchorage yeah. or Fairbanks. I can't. It
4: yeah. was it, it. was so bad that Bruce, the the play by play guy for Fairbanks, called
2: him out twice on called
4: him out on it because he was getting emails to say that, the, that there are angry Tech fans that have the From score From our editor,
2: wrong. but yeah, yeah, <laughs> and other well, people. You know,
4: it wasn't just. No. <laughs> I don't think it was just him, but yeah, it's. You know, it's a matter of, like you said, taking pride in the product you're putting out. I know a few years back I mentioned to the guys that are doing the tech one that you guys don't seem to be watching the stream you're putting out in any way. And because I, I was talking to them, they're like, we're watching the quality of the feed. It looks great on our side. I'm like, you need to have a, somebody monitoring it that's actually watching it played back down because what yeah, you're putting What you see on the scoreboard is maybe not what we're great. getting out. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And all it takes is some court somewhere
2: to be screwed up and and you're in trouble, and I've seen that before.
4: Yeah, for sure. That said, that's flow hockey. I do love the fact that I can jump around and see a bunch of different leagues within flow hockey too. That is a benefit of the, the large cost, right? I can watch college hockey all evening long, starting on the East Coast all the way through to the Alaska Games, but having them all in one package like that, which I think is nice.
2: Alright, I don't think we needed to spend 10 minutes on that question, but <laughs> but we did. Uh, the only other question I got was the second part from Patrick Coro, and it's uh, following on last week's show about officials, consistency, and communication with the fans. Does the WCHA have a place where the general public can read more in into the previous weekend's rulings or league office decisions? And the short answer on that is no, unless there is a decision that results in a suspension.
4: Yeah, I think supplemental would be the only reason that they put anything else out, right?
2: Right. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. The only other question we got was from Noah Lawrence. He wanted to know more about how the Bowling Green game, uh, the Bowling Green sweep impacted Michigan Tech's RPI and pairwise situation. And uh, we kind of covered that with everything else. All I really want to say on that is it doesn't really matter that we split with them versus the Minnesota state series. It's more important that we play quality opponents and that all helps our pair wise, as long as we don't, you know, lose all those games. All right, moving on to predictions. Uh, The only things going on in the league this weekend, we got four series. I think we can all agree that Bowling Green at home against Huntsville. We're going to pick the sweep for Bowling Green. Anybody disagree? Nope. No contrarians here? Dustin? No. Okay. Minnesota- I mean, if, we're,
4: if, if Dustin's not going contrarian on, on things, we know these are... Uh, okay. are, are <laughs>
2: Minnesota State again, is hosting Lake Superior State, another sweep for the Mavericks. Anybody contrarian on that one? No. Yeah.
4: No. <laughs> the Mavericks are rolling.
2: So then the only series that really... um is a toss-up at all, is Alaska at Bemidji State, which is number, what is it, number three versus number one in points in the conference right now. Not that win percentage, that's true, but Bemidji State is currently first in the WCHA with 22 points, but they have, but Minnesota State's got two games in hand on them, and then Alaska is third actually tied with minnesota state but they've got four games in hand on alaska um so yeah uh rob you want to start us off on your predictions for alaska at bemidji state
4: i think just like everybody has trouble traveling up to alaska for the first game that first game that alaska is going to play down to bemidji it has the travel legs factor to it so I'm gonna go with uh Bemidji State win on Friday and then uh Alaska comes back and, and wins on Saturday for the split.
3: Dustin? I'm gonna go out on a limb and I am going to say that Alaska sweeps. They're going to go to Bemidji and take both games.
2: I'm gonna I think I'm gonna agree with Rob and say Alaska wins on Saturday, but Friday it's Bemidji State. Um and then the last series is the Tech Alaska Anchorage series. Um I guess I'll start off there and say Tech Sweeps. Pretty pretty straightforward. I think they, they get back to their, their ways. They should be rested, they're back. Um Anchorage is just not good. I think Jerusic is good enough and the defense is good enough that uh, uh Anchorage is not gonna get much from the chances they do create, and, and I think it's a sweep. Yeah, I, th-
3: I think it's going to be a little bit of an offensive breakout weekend against a, a team that is is down. This is a good opportunity at home to put up some goals and build confidence. Uh, I think Tech sweeps and scores a decent amount of goals. Um, I think there will be four to five goals a night.
1: Rob?
4: Yeah, I'd love to see a scoring breakout like that too. Give the guys some confidence going into into the next few series. Um, it'd be it'd be good to see that. I'm gonna go with the sweep as well here. I don't think I don't think anybody needs to be contrarian on this one. It's just a matter of you know getting down and and winning the games you need to win in the conference. And these are two games you 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 know as we talked about earlier, you need to win.
2: Yeah, I I think the one thing that could happen is it could go more like Robert Morris did, where we we struggle a little bit to score Friday, but find a way to win, and then kind of light them up on Saturday. But uh, I do think it's a sweep, and it's it's hard not to pick the sweep. I mean, we all want the sweep. We all should expect the sweep, and and hopefully that's what the boys do.
4: You know what I thought of the last few series just to drop back to topic we've talked about a little bit too, not to go too far into it. But Bryce has played real well the last couple weekends.
2: He has. He's definitely stepped up. I think he. I think he belongs in the lineup as a fourth line. Yeah. I think guy. we
3: can probably take credit for sparking him. Um.
2: <laughs> either either that or the the other podcast that he was on.
4: Uh, yeah, and that's one that if, if people haven't listened to, I'd highly suggest it. That was that was a good listen. I really yeah. enjoyed listening to that. What is that? The view and
2: from the nine hundred six or something. Nine hundred six. Yeah, I think it was episode three or four of that podcast. He was on there. That was a great interview to listen to. Um, him talk about him needing to work harder and. Wishing he got more chances, but making a comment about how he had to earn those chances, and I thought it it really spoke to where, where we all think the captain's situation is at, and 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 how he's not, you know, Joe isn't just going to play him because he's the captain. Um, yeah, it was good. And I think
4: I think the reaction to it showed the maturity that you want out of somebody in the captain's role as well. It wasn't just a, I'm entitled to play because I'm the captain. It's a, it was a reflective. This is. This is why I haven't been playing. And this is what I need to do better. It was it was good. Yeah. It also made me slip back into Uper real hard for the next like 20, 30 minutes after listening to it.
2: Yeah, because he um, somebody I talked to about that podcast was joking about how how much of the Uper accent Bryce had in that, <laughs> but he doesn't have he didn't have it when he was getting interviewed post game. By the tech guys? You got to know your audience. Yeah. No, we... <laughs> right.
3: yeah, a bunch of guys from like Onsenaga or I can switch whatever. mine off and on. Yeah. You know, <laughs> go back good. home
4: for a few days and talk to, you know, hang out. And you, it comes back out. It yeah. comes out without a problem. <laughs> Yadere. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash tech hockey guide. Patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including the unpublished episode one and lightly edited episodes each week. Follow us on Twitter at Chasing or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit questions through our email address, chasing mac at techhockeyguide.com. Thanks, Patrick Kara for doing that. Or send a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash chasing macpod. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. Please check out Jonathan Zameda's series previews every Friday and Michael and Leitner's Old Dog in Texas column every Wednesday. There should also be semi-regular content on Mondays and Tuesdays going forward from Matt Cavender and myself. You can find all this and more at techhockeyguide.com. As always, special thanks to our patron saint, Doc McRessen, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also thanks to the Thank You Notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at theThankYouNotes.bandcamp.com.